chapter 9. We'll, we'll turn to Luke chapter 9. And, you know, with the Gideons, there's a lot of people who are trying to fill a void. And one of the greatest questions that anyone can ask themselves is, who is Jesus or who is he? And uh, this past, this Friday, I was able to uh, do a, a funeral for a dear friend up at Brewster. And um, Larry, he, he struggled with his vision. And he would describe it in this way. His vision was uh, like if you were out in your vehicle on a really rainy day and you didn't have windshield wipers. And it's really hard to see going down the road without uh, windshield wipers, right? And so his, his favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. And the challenge that he wanted and the family wanted, he wrote out, you know, many things in the back of his Bible. He really wrote out the message for his funeral. He wanted them and his wife and his family wants those who came to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ to clearly see who Jesus is. And this is one of the most important questions. It is the most important question is who is he? And I hope and trust, I pray that all of you have placed your, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you clearly see him. But sometimes we, we believe, but are we following? We believe, but do we fully know the greatness of our Savior? And so today I just want to challenge you briefly to clearly see Jesus so that not only will you go in the right direction, but your life will have great meaning and great purpose. And so as we draw near to Easter, we're going to look at Luke 9. Hopefully I told you that already, so you could turn your Bibles in your Bibles there. Luke chapter 9. And we're going to start, we're going to jump in the middle of the passage. And I would say in the middle of the passage, it is a new uh, paragraph here. Um, but we're going to jump in the middle of, of this, this passage in verse 18. And verse 18 of Luke chapter 9 says, And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others that one of the prophets of, of old has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up the third day. And so we have in this passage uh, the declaration that he is the Christ of God by Peter and, and Christ is Messiah in the Hebrew Christos in the Greek. And so Messiah equals Christ. And, and so maybe we should define Messiah. Well, Messiah is he is the anointed one of God, the chosen one of God. In the background here, Jesus sends his disciples earlier in the chapter out to preach the gospel and to heal many in verse 6. And, and we can look at Matthew eleven five, 5, Luke 4, 18. Uh, talks about why they were sent out to preach the gospel, but they were also to heal. 
Well, it's in fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And so Matthew 11, 5 and Luke 4, 18 and, and in Luke 7, 21 through 22, we see Jesus recognizing this is a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah is to come, not only preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, but also to heal, to give proof of who he is. Now, Herod the Tetrarch in, in verse 7 of chapter 9, he's like, well, who is this? Well, he's a little scared here. Maybe it's John the Baptist. You know, he had beheaded John the Baptist. Maybe John the Baptist came back from the dead. And so when they give this, this statement back to Jesus, the disciples, some say you're John the Baptist. One of them that was saying that was Herod, who had him killed. And then others say Elijah. And then and then some say prophets of the Old Testament who, who have risen again themselves. And they don't say Elijah rose again, but because what happened to Elijah? He was taken up, right? But they did not fully see or have the clear vision of who Jesus is. Not only is the anointed one of God, which, which Peter makes a statement on behalf of all of the disciples, but he is prophet, priest, and king. He fulfills all the needs of the people. He is a great shepherd. In this passage, we also have the feeding of the 5,000. In John 6, 14 through 15, it's interesting. It says there, after the feeding of the 5,000, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So we have this weird statement here by Jesus saying, oh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> There's many things that have to happen first. This is why. They wanted to take Jesus and make him king. They were following him, but they still did not have a clear view of who Jesus was. All these people, he was feeding them. He was healing them. He was saying some great things, but they did not fully understand who he is. And so while he is prophet, priest, and king, and, and I have some passages for you, Acts 7, 37, if you would write that down, go and look at it, um, talking about how he is a prophet, the great prophet that was to come. Yes, that is true. He is the only mediator, though, as well, when we look at him as priest. And Hebrews goes into this uh, in, in much detail. And one of the verses is uh, Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That is, he couldn't be the perfect high priest until he came first as a suffering servant. And so the people had an incomplete or a not clear view of who Jesus is. And then so coming back to Luke 9, Luke 9 and, and jumping ahead just a little bit, Jesus saying to them, the Son of Man must suffer. And I just want to point out that uh, the Messiah was the God-man. He had to be the God-man, fully God, fully man. And Son of Man gives us this idea that the Messiah... Jesus, not only is God, but he is a descendant fulfilling prophecy and the promises 
to King David, that he is a descendant of David, he is of the tribe of Judah, and therefore now he will be, and he is currently King of King and Lord of Lords. I love that picture in Revelation chapter 19 when he comes again. On his thigh is written, what? King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so the Old Testament proclaimed that he would come and this statement, and, and we should probably dwell on it more than I have, but Christ of God. He is God's chosen one. He is the only one who could come and die for us. But he is king. And do we submit? Do we clearly see Jesus so that we're going in the right direction? Luke also teaches us that he is the Savior, and so this is the other aspect of this passage. He warned them not to say anything to anyone because he had to suffer many things. He had to suffer many things. We could go into that. I think we all have a pretty good idea of some of the things that he, he suffered. One of those being he suffered rejection, right? When he was suffering before his death, he was slapped and spit upon. He was beaten. He was scourged severely. He was then nailed to the cross. And in all of this, he was rejected by all. Look, at it, it puts down all the religious leaders, right? The chief priests, the elders, elders first, chief priests, scribes. He was rejected by his people. And then he was killed. And this was promised. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. And yet part of the reason many rejected him is because they did not see a full reality. As we looked at the last two evenings, we had this, this conference with friends of Israel. And they talked about how they at that time did not have a clear vision of the full Jesus Christ and what he's supposed to do. And therefore, they fell into it, fulfilling the prophecy by rejecting him because they didn't see that he's supposed to come to be the suffering servant first. They wanted a king to get rid of Rome. But not only that, he was killed on our behalf, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 and many other passages proclaim that. But he rose again. He rose again. And, and so for people, we say, hey, you need to see clearly that road sign ahead, but you're not, you're not looking at Scriptures, and you don't see that stop sign, or you don't see that wrong way sign. What do you do when someone comes down a one way in the wrong direction? You start praying. That's what you do. <laughs> You pray for whoever's in that car, right? You flash your light, you turn your flashers on, you wave at them. Anybody ever done that? You don't have to admit it. It is very dangerous. And, and so as I say that, I think about some things that have happened and the loss of life, very near and dear to some of us. But the wrong way is very hazardous, isn't it? And they don't see it. And for us, so 
First, number one, have you truly believed in Jesus Christ? Have you seen the sign? Do you clearly understand your need for salvation? Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned around and gone the right way after seeing that sign that says wrong way? Are you going in the right direction? In our application today, we could read on down. First, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then understand clearly. For us, it's not just about where do we stand with him, but are we following him? Because if he truly is who he says he is, then there's nothing that should stop us from following him fully. That is fully committing ourselves to him. So read on down with me here in 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death. And I'm getting into the next section that we'll deal with. But when we look at verses 23 through 26, I think we can make some applications for us. And and. Wearsby says, keep in mind that Jesus is talking about discipleship, not sonship here. We are not saved from our sins by good works. We're saved to do good works. The question is, do we really see who Jesus is? And, and if we don't see him clearly, do have we really believed? But after we've placed our faith in him, it's not a once-for-all thing so that we can sit back and watch the world go by doing our own thing. If we see him clearly for the king, the Messiah, then we will make Jesus everything. Won't we? He's every, Jesus is everything to me. Right? That song? And because of that, we will live for him every day. We will worship Jesus in every way. Right? Do you see Jesus clearly? Praise the Lord for the Word of God so that we can clearly see who He is and we can follow Him faithfully. That's my prayer for you, that you would follow Jesus without any personal hindrance, without, you know, the world is distracting, isn't it? Very distracting. So my prayer for you is that you'd clearly understand that Jesus must be your focus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We ask that you would guide us first in understanding your word. Second, Lord, that we'd apply it. And Lord, that we would be faithful to do it. As James 1.22 says, I pray that we do not deceive ourselves, Lord, but that we will do what your word says. Thank you for this time of year when we can reflect and, and recognize, Lord Jesus Christ, what you have done for us. And not only that you died on the cross, but that you rose again and you're coming again. 
And so, Lord, we, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you our lives. Bless each one as they go out today. Give us clarity of vision of our need to follow you and, and how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So could we have our youngsters come forward, take up this morning's offering?